Welcome to the North Main Podcast, a production of North Main Street Church of God in Butler, Pennsylvania. This podcast brings you North Main's messages every week. We strive to know God intimately, grow in Christ continually, and go for Him daily. I invite you to listen in today as we explore the Bible and learn about its unchanging truths for living life God's way. Let's listen in to this week's message. Well, today the plot thickens. We go into Joseph's story a little bit more. We started a series last week, if you weren't with us, on the story of Joseph. No, not Jesus' stepfather in the New Testament, but Joseph in the Old Testament. Joseph actually is the one character that's written about the most in the book of Genesis. Genesis is the first book of the Bible. We pick up um, Joseph's story starting in chapter 37, but today we'll be in chapter 39. Last week we learned about Joseph. He was one of the youngest of, of, uh, of a whole bunch of brothers in his family, uh, but he was his dad's favorite. And being his dad's favorite, uh, the other brothers knew this, and, and they resented Jacob, or not Jacob, they resented Joseph for this. Jacob was the father of these sons. And we did a series several months ago on Jacob. You can go back into the archives online or on our podcasts on iTunes, wherever you find podcasts and look that up. And you could find the story of Jacob and, and learn about him. But now we're talking about Jacob's son, Joseph. Jo- Joseph's other brothers did not like him. And actually Joseph would tattletale, I hate to say that, on his brothers when they did bad things, which made them hate him all the more. And so last week what ended up happening was the older brothers had taken uh, dad's flocks out to the distant country lands to graze and, and to do what they do best. Uh, and Jacob said, hey Joseph, I want you to go check on your brothers. Come back and give me a report of what they're doing. And so Joseph runs off into the fields, probably two to three day journey to find his brothers, finally finds them, and they see him coming off in a distance. And they say, here comes that dreamer. Let's kill him. Have you ever wanted to kill your brother or your sister? I mean, not really, but they did. Okay, some of, there's too much laughing and some of you think, yes, I literally, want to do that. Well, know that that's a sin and will lead you to hell. Okay, so don't do that. Thou shalt not murder. It's one of the Ten Commandments, just saying. So what happens is they determine, okay, well, let's not kill him. We'll live with a guilty conscience the rest of our lives. Why don't we just pretend that we've killed him so that dad thinks he died and sell him off into slavery. And so there's some Midianite or Ishmaelite, same terminology, traders that are coming along and they say, hey, you want our brother? We'll sell him to you. Have you ever wanted to sell your brother or your sister for money? You might have. Well, actually they did that. Joseph was sold. After they had thrown him in a cistern to wait to figure out what to do, they pulled him out of the cistern, they sold him to these Ishmaelite traders, these Midianite traders, who then took Joseph to Egypt. And that's where we left the story at the end of chapter 37 last week. This week, we jump back in with both feet to chapter 39. But before we get to the passage of scripture this morning, I wanna ask you a question. Has there ever been a time that you would have been willing to do something that wasn't good if you knew nobody would find out about it? Has there ever been a time in your life where you were tempted to do something you knew wasn't right 
and you weighed in the, the balance, whether or not you would do it, depending on whether anyone else would find out about it or not. We all have a secret side to life. We just do. There are thoughts and actions that we wish nobody would ever find out about. Why? Because we're broken and fallen people, and sometimes we give in to the baser sinful natures of self that pulls us away from God rather than toward God, and we make a mess of things. Sometimes the temptation looks so much better than a life in Christ, and we follow after the temptation only to find out it is this fruit of death that stinks and leads to something horrible and rotten. Joseph is faced today with a temptation. What is his temptation? Well, it's not unlike most of our temptations, but his is a sexual temptation today. But yours may not be a sexual temptation. Maybe your vice is something different than Joseph. So don't think of this just about sexual temptation today. Think about what is it that is your weakness? And what is it that if nobody else ever found out about it, would you do it or would you maintain your integrity? Genesis 39, starting with verse 1. When Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was the captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Think about that. Stop for a minute. If you were just sold into slavery, you betrayed by your brothers, and now you're a slave to this head officer of Pharaoh in a foreign country called Egypt, would you be bitter, resentful? Would you be depressed, frustrated? How would you feel if you'd been stripped of everything you knew and held dear, and now you were in a foreign land where maybe you didn't even know the language being sold into slavery? says the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. When we see that word in all caps, that is the same word God used at the burning bush with Moses, okay, that says, I am that I am. This is the technical name for God, three in one. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all caps is Yahweh, Okay? which means I am that I am. And the Lord, Yahweh, was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph. Now, Potiphar also was an Egyptian, so he worshiped other gods, but he obviously knew that Joseph was not from around those parts. My guess is he found out that Joseph was a Jewish individual, an Israelite, if you will. And so he knew that the Jewish God was obviously with Joseph and was doing a work in his life, giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph personal, uh, uh, his, his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. Now, we think of that in our terminology. Most of us have 
modest homes. Some of us may have actually nice, really big homes. Um, you might even have a cleaning lady that comes in. But when we're talking about the home of Potiphar, who was a head officer in Pharaoh's, uh, in Pharaoh's entourage of, of leaders, his home was massive. He was like a CEO of a large company. He had servants. He had people to cook his food. He had all of these kind of things. And so Joseph was just one among many of his servants. But he noticed something significant about Joseph, and that was that he's prospering in everything that he does. So if I have him head of all of my home, maybe my home will prosper too. From that day, Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, and guess what happened? The Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. For whose sake? Not Potiphar's, but for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs ran smoothly, and his crops and livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food he was going to eat. Up to this point, Potiphar administrated what happened in his home as well as administrating what happened for Pharaoh, or helping to administrate, I should say. So imagine this. He trusts Joseph enough to say, hey, dude, I'm sure that's how he spoke. Can you please take over everything. Here's my checkbook. Pay the bills for me. Here's, here's uh, you, get, you have charge over all my servants. Uh, make sure that you take care of, you know, going or sending people to the market to bring food into my home so that we could all have enough to eat, blah, 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 blah. So all I have to do is just sit back and yes, work for Pharaoh, but I don't have to worry about anything here. Could you do that for me? What level of trust must you have to have somebody come into your home and you give them access to everything in your home, even your money? This is what happened with Joseph in Potiphar's household. Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man, much like Jacob, his father, was back in the day. And you remember that sermon where I slipped up on a word and said something that made everybody laugh. Where Esau was hairy and red and Joseph was smooth and silky, like butter. Except brown butter because it said he was really tan and handsome. But guess what happens? Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. What does that mean? Lustful. Anybody want to take a shot at that? Don't blurt it out, please. G-rated this morning. Somebody asked me, am I going to keep this G-rated today? We'll see. And she says these words to Joseph. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. She's Potiphar's wife. She's... Potiphar's wife. She's his boss's wife. It's a bit of a conundrum. If his boss finds out about this, if he gives in to that, he is in deep doo-doo, to say the least. But if he doesn't do what she says, 
I don't know what's going to happen. But then again, I could have sex with a woman because she's demanding me to do that. What do, I, what do I do with this? But Joseph refused. That's what happens. Joseph refused. Look, he, said her, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. Did you hear what he said? He's not pulling rank. He's just telling her, he trusts me with everything. I have a ton of authority here. And she's like, you bet you do. You know, okay, she doesn't, I don't know. She, she might have. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you because you're his wife. He wouldn't give me you. That's stupid. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against Potiphar? No, God. Because here's what Joseph knew. Above and beyond anything else in his life, he knew that there was one person that he had to please the most. And he kept that priority in check in his life. But the story continues. She kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day. Come and sleep with me. Come and sleep with me. But he refused to sleep with her. And he kept out of her way as much as possible. When he saw her coming, he would go the other way. When he saw her in another room, he would go to a different room. This is what he tried to do on a regular basis. Stay out of her way. One day, however... No one else was around. And when he went in to do his work, she came and grabbed him by his cloak. Okay, she's like, he's not going to willingly give himself to me. I'm going to take him. What do we call that? Right. Wait, it, it rarely seems plausible that men can be raped, but it's possible. And it does happen. And so she has power and authority that he does not have. And so she lunges at him, takes her power, and abuses it because she wants what she can't have and what he won't give her. So she grabs him by his cloak, demanding, come on, sleep with me. Not in a male voice like that. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it was, come on, sleep with me. But it may, I'm guessing it was like, come on, sleep with me. Something like that. I didn't mean for that to be that funny. <laughs> so Joseph tore himself away. He's a great escape artist. He was able to slip his arms out of his cloak and he took up, but actually it wasn't a zip up or button up and it wasn't a shawl that came over. A cloak was a, a garment that had a hole cut in the top and, and holes for the arms. She grabs him by the cloak. So he does one of these uh, escape artist things where he throws his arms up and collapses onto the floor. <laughs> And she's left holding something. What is it? His cloak. Hmm. When she saw that she was holding his cloak and he had fled, she called out to her servants. Soon all the men came running. Look, she said, my husband has brought this Hebrew slave here to make fools of us. He came into my room to rape me, but I screamed. And when, when he heard me scream, he ran outside and got away, but he left his cloak behind with me. Huh. Huh. She kept the cloak with her until her husband came home. 
Then she told him her story. That Hebrew slave you brought into our house tried to come in and fool around with me, she said, but when I screamed, he ran outside, leaving his cloak with me. And Potiphar says, oh, you nag, shut up. You've done this to other servants before, get over it. No, I'm just kidding, it doesn't say that. What does he say? He was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. So he took Joseph, threw him into prison where the king's prisoners were held, and and, and there he remained. But the Lord was with Joseph, a favorite with the prison warden. And before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he do to succeed. It's like the golden child. You know one of the things really quickly, and, and I'm gonna, we're going to breeze right through this this morning, but the key point I want you to take away from this this morning is that integrity is hard when the odds are stacked against you. Integrity is really easy when things are going well and when, you, when you're doing okay, but when the odds are stacked against you, integrity is a hard thing to hold on to. Sometimes even when you are on cloud nine and you're proposed to by somebody of power over you to compromise your integrity, what do you do with that? What are you gonna do? Are you gonna give in to it? Are you gonna, sad to say, but many of us give in to the temptation rather than to stand firm against it. But Joseph knew, if I do this, not only will I forsake the trust of my master who's given me charge over everything in his house, But more importantly, I'll forsake the trust of my Lord who loves me. Now, Joseph could have at this point, and hear me out on this because I hear this a lot as a pastor. I've served God faithfully. I've not done anything wrong. Why is he making this so hard for me? I've been sold into slavery. I've been betrayed by a woman who says I tried to do something to her that I didn't do, and now my reputation is marred. Where's God in all of this, Brandon? I hear that. What does Joseph do? Let's look at at what happens here. Joseph maintains his integrity and his honor of God in spite of his circumstances. Can you say that? That you maintain your integrity and your honor of God in spite of your circumstances. When the going gets tough, where does your faith go? Does it grow deeper? And do you lean into God more? Or do you say, "Uh uh-uh, shoot, I didn't sign up for this. God, where are you? You've forsaken me. Or do you lean into him and trust him all the more? To test your integrity, ask yourself this question, what would you be willing to do for $10 million? $10 million is not as much as some people have, but it's a lot more than we have, most of us in this room. What would you be willing to do for $10 million tax-free that you didn't have to pay into the government? Clear and free. A study was actually done some years ago. 25% of those surveyed said that they'd be willing to abandon their entire family. 
Some of you probably would like to do that anyway, but <laughs> under normal circumstances, 25% said for $10 million, yeah, I'll leave my whole family, I'll abandon them, and I'll never come back and talk to any of them again. Consider that some of those were mothers and fathers of children. 25% said they would abandon their church. That's not hard to believe nowadays anyway, but that's really sad, let's be honest. 23% said they would become prostitutes for a week or more. 16% said they would give up their American citizenship. That's not hard to believe by looking at the news today. Most people despise this country, it seems like, according to the media's reports. 16% said they'd leave their spouses. 10% said they would withhold their uh, testimony and let a murderer go free. For $10 million, 7% said they'd even kill a stranger. 3% said they would put their children up for adoption. What would you be willing to do for $10 million? Have you ever heard everybody has a price? See, believers in Jesus Christ should never have a price because Jesus paid it all. Yes? And if he paid it all, there's no price that we should take to compromise what he tells us is right. But in the church, we compromise about as much as it seems the rest of the world does, at least in our culture. What makes us different than the rest of the world? Integrity requires that we honor others. I want you to know that. <clears throat> Whether you like them or not, integrity requires that we honor others. One of the key characteristics of integrity is showing respect for others. Do you, have you ever heard of this? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Who said that? Jesus. Yes, that is the right answer in this context. <clears throat> what does he mean by that? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It doesn't say do unto others as they do unto you. Jesus says do unto others as you would want them to do to you. Now in normal circumstances, how do you want people to treat you? With love and respect, with gentleness, constructive criticism. You want somebody to walk alongside of you and guide you and direct you. My guess is you're not one who's glutton for punishment and loves it when people yell at you. How many of you love it when people yell at you and rebuke you and call you horrible names and talk down to you? Do you love that? Okay, if you raise your hand on that one, talk to me afterwards, okay? Actually, don't, because I'm afraid of you. No, just kidding. Do unto others as you'd have them do unto, unto you. See, this presupposes an action on our part rather than somebody else's action toward us. It doesn't say do unto others as you would have them do unto you only if they're nice to you. Do you hear me? See, the same Jesus who said, love your enemies, said, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you, meaning your enemies as well. See, respect and honor isn't given only to the people 
that necessarily earn it. For the believer in Christ, we give respect and honor because of the dignity of personhood and the image of God on everyone. Though everyone may not be a child of God because they haven't surrendered their life to Christ, everyone is created in the image of God and reserves the respect and honor due them as an image bearer of the Most High God. Integrity requires that we honor others. The second thing is integrity is often tested at the most inconvenient times. When has there ever been a convenient time that your integrity was tested? Oh, this is convenient. I can stand this test. Rarely does integrity, is integrity tested when you're strongest. Integrity is often tested when we're weakest. Talk about being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Joseph tried to avoid this woman, and one day she sneaks upon him like I do uh, with Ray Saylor in the church. I don't try to pounce on him because, well, I, well, I do, but not in the way Potiphar's wife tried to pounce on Joseph. I just try to get a jeepers out of you, my goodness sakes. Jeepers! I'm going to start doing a video montage. I'm going to have my camera from now on and do that. Anyway, nevertheless, I digress. Potiphar's wife sneaks up on Joseph. She catches him when he's been trying to avoid her. She finally corners him and grabs him by the cloak. Inconvenient time for Joseph, you think? Or perfect timing? Perfect timing for her, inconvenient time for him. And now... He's faced with a decision that's greater than the decision he'd had earlier when she said, come sleep with me. She literally has him by the collar. What's he going to do? Joseph did what anyone with godly integrity would do when faced with temptation. He ran. When you're faced with temptation, what do you do? Do you sit and think? Do you sit in, in the face of temptation to go, hmm, what are my options? Because see, Scripture tells us when you're faced with temptation, get the heck out of there. Don't dance with it a little bit. Oh, I'm just, you know, I'm getting as close as I can, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just, ooh, let me, let me try it. Ooh, that line is, woo, check it out. That is pretty, isn't it? But we do that. Why do we do it? Because we don't have the one that is in us who is greater than he who is in the world. We open the door and allow a foothold of the enemy to come in, which pushes out he was greater than us. It pushes him out. When we open the door to temptation and allow the enemy to come in, guess what leaves? the Holy Spirit. Those of us who believe in Jesus Christ have the Holy Spirit living within us. We have dedicated and surrendered our life to him, and so the Holy Spirit comes and takes residence. But when we decide to open up the door of temptation and toy around with it, basically what we're doing is the Holy Spirit is leaving as we're letting the temptation come in and hold sway over us. See, our integrity is tested at the most inconvenient of times because that's what the enemy does. He's crafty, he's deceptive, he's a liar. And he gets us to believe that the things that look so beautiful in the world's eyes 
should be beautiful to us. And then we get a little, oh, yes, it's stirring these emotions that I want this thing or those things. And if I just do it once, it's really not going to hurt anybody. As long as it doesn't hurt anybody else, it's okay, right? If I compromise just a little bit, it's okay, right? It's never okay to compromise. It's never okay to compromise. When I meet with couples to do premarital counseling, or when I meet with couples that have been married for years and do marital counseling, I never use the term compromise. And I know a lot of counselors do. I'm not a professional counselor, but what I've learned in 20 years of ministry is compromise has a ton of negativity surrounding it because it means that, that somebody's always giving up and giving in, and the other person is usually winning out. Think about that in terms of spirituality. When I compromise, who gets to win over me? The enemy, devil, Satan. When I compromise my faith, I open up a door to the prince of this world to take charge. When I talk to couples, I say, you need to come to resolve on issues that you're having struggles with in your marriage against each other. You don't compromise you come to resolve, because resolve is biblical, reconciliation is biblical, unity is biblical, compromise is something totally different. Integrity is tested at the most inconvenient times, and finally, integrity requires overcoming temptation often to the point of personal hardship. Integrity requires overcoming temptation, often to the point of personal hardship. Let me close with this. Here's the point. Just because we may be people of godly character and integrity, just because we may honor and respect others and treat them the way we would like to be treated, doesn't mean that we will always be treated fairly ourselves. And it's important to note at this point, just because we may be people of integrity doesn't mean we will always please everybody. I want you to hear me. Just because you may maintain a level of integrity and honor to your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, doesn't mean everybody's going to like you. Actually, it may mean quite the contrary. Jesus, who said, remember, when they hate you, they hated me first. Okay? You are going to be hated for following Jesus and maintaining a level of integrity and living a life above reproach. And people are not going to like you for it because a lot of the people in this world have the tentacles of the enemy wrapped so tightly around them that they can't see the truth standing right in front of them. And so when you're living by the truth, who is Jesus Christ and following hard after him, those that are not living in the truth look at you with disdain and hatred. And they may even begin to persecute you. They may begin to bully you. And the temptation when we are bullied or hated is to, well, we've got to make them like us better. And so we will begin to compromise our integrity in order to get the world to like us better. But you can't love the world and love God at the same time. You can only love God. God alone is worthy of your love. 
But if you love the world and you love God, those things cannot coexist. It's like water and oil. They are completely separate. We, we, when we live in lives of integrity, there may be times when false accusations are made about us. Jesus was called a wine-bibber. You know what that means? A drunkard. Why? Because he went to places where wine was being served and raucous parties were happening and, and the Pharisees, the religious leaders, judged him for it. Oh, he's just a drunkard. There may be times when by those closest to us. There may be times when others take advantage of us because of our trust and generosity. Whatever the case, we must stand firm in our resolve not to buckle under pressure. We must remain people of grace and integrity in the face of sheer injustice. Several years ago in uh, Long Beach, California, a, a, a guy went into a fried chicken place and bought a couple of chicken dinners for himself and his date late one afternoon um, the young woman at the counter inadvertently gave him the proceeds from the day a whole bag of money much of it cash instead of a bag of fried chicken after driving to their picnic site two of them sat down opened the meal and to enjoy some chicken together and they discovered a whole lot more than chicken over eight hundred dollars from that day's cash drawer See, but this guy was unusual. He quickly put the money back in the bag, got back in the car, drove all the way back to the place. He got out, walked in, and became an instant hero. By then, the manager was frantic. Where's the money? Where did the money go? The guy with the bag of money looked at the manager in the eye and said, I, um, I want you to know I came by to get a couple chicken dinners and wound up with this bag of money so here's the bag can I have my chicken <laughs> the manager was so thrilled he said let me call the newspaper I have never in my life had anybody do something like this is amazing I'm gonna have your picture in the local paper this is gonna be front page news to which the guy quickly responded, oh, no, 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 please, no, don't do that. And then he leaned over and whispered, you see, the woman that I'm with is not my wife. She's, she's, actually, she's actually somebody else's wife. <laughs> Who are you when nobody's looking? What pressures are you tempted to give in to? Psalm 119, 1 through 3, as our worship team comes forward to close us out this morning. Psalm 119, verses 1 through 3. Joyful are people of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord. Joyful are those who obey his laws and search for him with all their hearts. They do not compromise with evil, and they walk only in his paths. Psalm 119, 1 through 3. What does it say about people? that obey the law, people that are people of integrity, they are joyful. 
It doesn't seem right. If I obey the law, then I'm happier, then I'm joyful. If I'm a person of integrity, walking that fine line of not compromising who I am and who I am to God, then I'm more joyful, yes. I'm not gonna ask you to test that, but my guess is there have been times when it has been tested in your life. And when you maintain a point of righteous living, what does it do? You come through that test and you're like, woo! Yes, praise the Lord, I passed that test. Integrity is hard when the odds are stacked against you, but integrity is possible only with one who is walking in lockstep with Jesus Christ. Be a Joseph today. Be a Joseph this week. Instead of cursing God when things are going against you, lean into God and trust him. If you're toying around with the idea of whether or not God is worthy to be trusted, why don't you just try it on for a week? I promise you, God is good. And all the time. But you'll never know that unless you're able to lean in when you're being tested. Joseph prospered. Thank you, I know. Praise the Lord for that. (laughs) Clapping your hands, aren't you, buddy? (laughs) I want to say a word of prayer over you. If you want to be prayed for, if you're struggling right now with integrity, if temptation has been knocking at your door and you're, you're, you're tempted to open it and you need help, there's no other place to go but here because the Lord is here. We're two or more gather in his name. He's promised to be there with us. And I know there's at least two people that have gathered here today in the name of Jesus to worship him in spirit and in truth. Come to my right, your left. Somebody will pray with you and walk with you through whatever it is you're struggling with. You can live a life of integrity rather than a life of compromise. And again, as I say every week, if you need to pray alone and reconcile things between you and God on your own without anybody interrupting you, you can come to my left, your right. But don't leave without making a transformative decision today. Father, we love you. You are holy and righteous and good. And God, we hand you our lives willingly in complete surrender. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Help us to stand the test. God, through the power of your Holy Spirit, help us to be overcomers. It's in Jesus' precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us this week. Check back next week as we dig deeper and go further in our understanding of God's Word. Make sure to visit us on our website, www.northmaincog.org, where you can learn more about us. If you found value in today's message, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would be helpful too. Donating to the ongoing ministry of North Main is easy. Just go to our website and click on the Give tab at the top of the screen. Thanks for listening. We look forward to you joining us again next week.